This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin and I'm the Parenting for Faith ministry lead and your host. I'm going to be talking you through this episode, uh, which is episode 11 of season four. Now, I need to start off by saying a humongous thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who took part in the big give last week. Uh, We're going to be announcing our total, how much you guys managed to raise for Parenting for Faith uh, on our social media. Uh, So keep an eye out for that if you haven't already. And thank you so much to those of you who give faithfully throughout the year by being friends of Parenting for Faith. We appreciate it so much. Um, We try and make as much as possible of what we do freely available so everyone can access it. Uh, But that's only possible because of the generosity of people like you. So thank you so much for being part of that. Uh, Talking about freebies, we have got a freebie for Advent. Now, I know, I know it's already started. We're in December. But who says you have to do something every day? Um, So we're just trying to encourage you to be really relaxed and to make things work for you. So uh, we'll pop a link in the show notes, but we've got um, a downloadable freebie just to help you think about sparking gratitude in your family this year. So print it out, leave it on the table and stick it in the car. I don't know, stick it somewhere where you'll see it and feel free to dip in and out as your family are interested. There's no pressure to do every day, um, but it just might help you to... Uh, chat about some things that you're grateful for and spark some interesting conversations. So um, we really hope that's useful to you. For the episode today and for next week as well, uh, we are going to have your questions and Rachel Turner answering them. You, Some of you who've been following the podcast for a while will remember we used to have a question every week and they tended to get lost because they were kind of squished on the end of the podcast. Uh, so we have got two bumper episodes of loads and loads of your questions and Rachel Turner's responses. Uh, so thank you for sending those questions in. Many of these were recorded um, at the Parenting for Faith course. There are about 100 of us who've been doing it on Zoom this term. If you would have liked to have joined that and you missed out, don't worry because the course is freely available on our website again we'll pop a link into the show notes Uh, but you can stick an episode on while you're wrapping some presents course sounds very formal and very official but it really can just be you sat down uh, whilst you're doing something else having it on in the background Um, or get together with some friends get together with some people from your church and do it in person in someone's living room or in your church or um, online on zoom next term next year whatever works for you Okay, so that's it. So we are going to head over and hear some questions and answers now. Do you find that church for children um, needs to fit around their lives, i.e. the clashes with Sunday morning? So is it best to not necessarily do it on a Sunday? Was a question. I think every family is different and has different values. And I think it's okay to have yours. So I, I know families who are like actually sacrificing opportunities in my child's life to make Sunday morning a church priority because that's the value I want my kid to have is a call that you make as a family. And when you're, as long as you're discipling them in it, then that could be a very valid experience for you. Other families are like, I want to train my kid 
that you engage with church no matter what your life looks like and you can bend around it. And so they then push into midweek stuff and all of that. So I don't think there's a right answer to that. I think it's about what your values are and how you're helping them engage with church. Because I think whatever you decide, it's about, are they drawing near to God? Are they radically loving and being loved? And that can look in any sh- shape or form. Um, and I think it really depends on the values that you have. Uh, my dad was a cop and really felt that it was really important that that Sunday morning was a thing you sacrificed for. And so he would work a graveyard shift and then he'd, he'd, he'd show up at church every Sunday. And that was really valuable to him. Um, I was involved in theater, so I had matinee, so I couldn't go to those. So then we had to adjust and all of that was happening. And so what was important for him meant that it translated to me, but then we had to adjust for my life because that's what God was calling me to. And it made us all on the same team exploring these values and saying church is important. And what does that look like for us? And so whatever you decide is okay. It's the conversation that happens around it. As you think I'm growing a person and what values do I want um, this person to know and engage with. Um, so there's no one right answer. I think there's the answer of what does this look like for you and them and where your values fall on. Linking into that, there's a question um, that says, how do you explore as a family Sabbath and what activities you will or won't participate with on a Sunday? Um, with They're saying we're facing it for the first time and we don't want to be legalistic, but we also don't want to make decisions and then have to backtrack. Um my experience in working with families is that backtracking is hard. Once you let something go, it is hard to claw that sucker back. So I think it's really wise that you're saying, let's start this conversation now. For me, whenever it comes down to what we should or shouldn't do, I tend to encourage you to step back. And as a family, as a uh, uh, as adults, and whether you're um, with a partner, without a partner, with your uh, get some thoughts together of what fruit do you want to see about the Sabbath? What is the point of Sabbath, and what um, and how you make that? Because in the Old Testament, they had really clear Sabbath laws; like they didn't have to guess; they knew exactly what was Sabbath and not Sabbath. And now we're like, is watching television Sabbath? I don't know. Is going for a hike Sabbath? I don't know. And we're trying to find the rules, and we try to go to the rules. Um, my suggestion is you go to the fruit and say, we believe that a family Sabbath means that we spend a whole day connecting with each other, connecting with God, and that we live in peace. What are things that bring those fruits to it and what aren't? And you begin to, as a team, as a family, do that, but keep it as an open-ended we are on a journey of doing Sabbath well. We're called to honor the Sabbath. Um, and what does that look like for us? Jewish people do it a night to a night. Um, we believe that it's supposed to be a Sunday to Sunday. Doesn't matter. Is it a 24-hour period? Is it a specific day? You know, this is what we think is a family. And what does that look like? So then when something comes along, like sport on Sunday or something, you then hold it up and go, okay. We're called to a Sabbath and this is what it looks like for us. Does this apply? Does this not apply? Should we try it and see? And so you can say, let's try it for a month and then have a conversation. What's the fruit in our family? Do we feel that that's right? What is the Holy Spirit prompting us about? And you're teaching them to go on a journey of what it looks like to obey God in a gray world. And that becomes a family team effort. So I would suggest rather than look at what the legalistic things is, is how do you give a decision-making process that helps them look at what God's calling us to, what the fruit is, and how do we make decisions within that? Um, And that can be really fruitful. And it means it doesn't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes and not make mistakes. Particularly, how can you encourage your child to have a faith or seek God without forcing them? So particularly if 
they don't have interest or they're not following your instructions um, or they're having difficulty um, or they're even being intentionally destructive during this time? Um, do you try and be persistent with them or do you not so that you don't force them? Um, often what happens is there's a difference between corporate time and individual time, and we're trying to disciple both. So um, one is when you're on your own connecting with God. So if we're creating windows and framing, we're giving our kids all the skills they need to find their own path with God. Then there's times where we do things together. Some families like gathering around and praying together at bedtime or doing Bible studies in the morning, all of those things. And that is when we're discipling them on how to do respectful faith in a community. And that can be different things. So um, I find if we begin to engage in a power dynamic where I've asked you to do something in a Bible study or something, and they're resistant. Um, there's lots of reasons why they could be resistant. It could just be that they're choosing to disobey us today. And we then feel like it's crossing over into, I don't want to shove faith down them. I also want obedient children and I need to dis discipline that. Uh, and so sometimes it could be that we say, you know, it's okay if you don't want to engage with this, but, I, but this is when we listen. And I expect you to control your body and I expect you to listen respectfully. But it could be that they don't want to participate actively in the activity. I do require your body to be here. That's what it is. You can be bored. You can be happy. I expect you. And then what you're doing is disciplining their behavior rather than disciplining their relationship with God. That's when it gets a bit muddy is if you're saying, I've asked you to pray out loud and you haven't, then you start getting into this feeling that you're disciplining relationship with God, but you can discipline behavior without demanding connection with God. That's when it does. So figure out what the difference is. And then you can say, this is what I expect of your body. This is what I expect of your heart. This is the attitude I expect. And I could discipline that freely without saying, and I asked you to read the Bible and you didn't. And now I'm disciplining their, their relationship, connection, faith. And that's when it can get muddy for us. So when you separate it, then you can feel a bit more confident in disciplining your kid. How significant are their children's friendships with other church friends? And how do we empower these, particularly when school friends begin to compete for their time and attention? Okay. People may disagree with me on this. So this is a personal opinion. Um, I don't think they're as significant as we think they are because um, I think what we, we ascribe to that, we want our kids to feel known, loved, welcomed, connected within a church community. That's, that's what the value is underneath that. And we think that they need another 10 year old to give them that. And what we see in research um, in sticky church and other books that have come out is, is actually intergenerational relationships. It's the culture of being seen and known and loved. That's most important, not them having other children, their age who they have bonds with most. Because if you think about their school friends, they're with their school friends, what, 25 hours a week, they're with their church friends an hour a week if everybody comes on the same week, at which they don't. And so we're, we're almost never going to have that parity of time. And so it would take a lot of work to make your church friends, your prime friends. Um, and so what we do instead is we give them the significance of a community, of having older people know them and love them and younger people who need them and four-year-olds who want to hold their hands and um, people that they admire and respect around them who laugh with them and talk with them. And so I think it's important 
that we enable them to be a part, an integral part of a community that knows them, loves them, delights in them, laughs with them, that they genuinely enjoy and respect. Um, but that can be facilitated by inviting people over to your house or integrating them into home groups or volunteering for things. And so if our goal is to help our child be integrated into a community, that's the effort because um, trying to, if you only have four other seven-year-olds in, in church and they don't like half of them, then you're kind of stuffed. Um, but if we look at integrating them into an intergenerational community, that's what keeps them is the being known, loved, and valued. And so I would suggest you um, invest in that. And today's question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation comes from our Advent freebie. And it's this. What is one thing you've been particularly grateful for this year? Ask your family, have a great conversation. We'll be back next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.